When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So be good, for goodness sake. Whoa, somebody's we coming. We have to get out of here. We've got somebody's to find a judge or something. Coming. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, hey, hey. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. After my, what was it, like third sabbatical? <laughs> I don't know how many it's been now. But I'm back! It's Ryan Key. Hey. Hey, and this is Nick, and I've been waiting three long days to talk to you guys about one of the best things ever in Star Wars. I'm so excited right now. I'm so excited. Straight from your super professional-looking <laughs> YouTube-ready professional listen. podcasting station listen thank you for sending me a better webcam you're welcome and and then i spent like 40 dollars on some other little shelving and lights and stuff thanks to our sponsor for this week ikea for providing nick shelves <laughs> yeah. this podcast is brought to you by ikea the figures on these shelves are $20 each, and these shelves are $20 total. <laughs> this is the way. I'm an unemployed musician, by the way. I don't have money for any of this. Yeah, me either. These Every- days, you can just say musician. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have to say unemployed. Full stop. Musician. So, uh, can we just, like, I-, I think we're unanimous on the fact that the past three days have been the longest three days in our podcast's history in terms of, like, mm, anticipation yeah. to speak about it. Yes. Fully. I mean... All respect, but fully eclipsing the Ahsoka episode. Yeah, absolutely. I was texting you guys that... Was I texting you that night? This is the reason I'm asking is because I don't really remember exactly who I was communicating with because there was a combination of the fact that parents, if you need earmuffs for the uh, young ones, but every once in a while, I'll chew on a little gummy edible that has THC in it, you know? Drugs. And I, I had one of those before I watched it for the first time, and it was really arriving, as you would say, <laughs> right around the time that the X-Wing was flying in. So there was a combination of that that elevated the emotion and tears that were pouring, like streaming <laughs> down my face. And I think texting you guys, that it was all going on and I have just wanted to talk to you about it ever since that moment. It was so is, uh, insane. Is THC the same thing as like the devil's lettuce? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also in the devil's lettuce, yes. And, and a jazz cigarette, that type of thing? Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I guess I was having a bit of a spice dream, as they say. You were yeah. like Jack Black in Pick of Destiny when uh, he finally meets the Sasquatch in his mushroom trip <laughs> and he takes a dip in the Strawberry River. Yes, yeah. very much. Can I be a Sasquatch too? You already are. <laughs> You're my son, JB. My little baby sass. <laughs> Uh, so watching the episode like I do alone on the couch every time at midnight, right when it happens, because I can't even risk being spoiled. That X-Wing showed up. I stood straight up and said, they're doing this. Yes. I knew exactly <laughs> what was going on. I said to myself, they're doing this. And I stood up in front of my TV with my arms crossed for the remainder of the show, like four feet in front of my TV. Dude, I watched the whole end like this. <laughs> yeah, dude, Adam, that was me. I, just sitting on the couch. Hands on the face, 
altered, hands on face. Disbelief. Crying. Yes. Just like not understanding how this could be possible. I I was just. (sighs) All right, let's get into it because if we don't, we won't stop. We are, of course, talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter 16, The Rescue. Man, Season 2 finale. Let's get into Stolen Plans. What have you done with those plans? The Mandalorian Season 2, Chapter 16, The Rescue, released Friday, December 18th, directed by Peyton Reed of Ant-Man fame, I would say mostly, right? Yeah. Great film. And, And this is his second episode now of Mandalorian. Written by Jon Favreau. Starring the whole crew, Pedro Pascal as Din Djarin, Gina Carano as Cara Dune, Tamara Morrison as Boba Fett, Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan, Sasha Banks slash whatever her real name is as Koska Reeves, Omid Abtahi as Dr. Pershing, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon, and, spoiler, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. Oh my god. <laughs> what? What did you just say? Yep. It's him. It was him. Wait, it was starring him? <laughs> Unreal. Oh, man. It was actually him. There was a little bit of, we're recording this on Monday. Favreau said he was DH'd. That's him. Unreal. So anyone who wants to complain about that, that is exactly who you want it to be playing the person that it needed to be. Anyone has any problems with it? I, I don't know. Hit the road. 44 minute runtime. On this episode, 9.9 on IMDb. <laughs> what? They did it. <laughs> Has anything ever been 9.9 on IMDb? I don't know. It's crazy. There's movies and TV shows that end up being 100% fresh sometimes, but I don't know if I've ever looked to see if anything was, was like 10 on IMDb. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Dude, even The Empire Strikes Back is like an 8-something, right? Yeah. 9.9 out of 10 with... Almost 32,000 people voting. So pretty unanimous. Unbelievable. All right. We are going to try to do the synopsis. We're going to try to keep it short because we know we're going to talk so much. I say short. I mean shorter than usual. Let's get into that now. Chapter 16 opens with the Slave One chasing a Lambda-class Imperial shuttle. The crew of Din, Fennec, Kara, and Fett are trying to capture Dr. Pershing and get that scrawny little bastard to talk. They're trying to find Moff Gideon. There's some drama, but they get him. We'll maybe talk about this later. It's actually really good. Some really good, like, deep cuts in that drama. Yeah, definitely. Next, the crew shows up on an unidentified planet to recruit Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves for their mission. Some good drama here, too. We'll definitely talk about that later. The crew, now fully united, come up with a plan. Bo-Katan coming with, like, full, like, military skills here, laying out the plan. They have a hollow of a ship that I guess they got from, you know, <laughs> their hack. Air quotes hack. <laughs> you just stick the thing in, just show any old face, that'll get you right in. <laughs> they put together a plan to commandeer Gideon's cruiser, rescue the child, let's do this party. Everybody but Boba are in the shuttle, Boba's in Slave 1. They intercept the cruiser at high speed, acting like it's a chase. Like the Imperial shuttle's being chased or pursued and attacked by Slave 1. They radio to the cruiser, we're under attack, let us in, blah blah blah. Bunch of drama there, but in short, they crash land in the cruiser through the the launch bay, right? You would call it? I think they called it a launch tube, pretty sure. <laughs> through the launch rectum, <laughs> and Slave One jumps to hyperspace and bails. In the hangar of the cruiser, the Night Owls, Fennec, and Kara come out, guns blazing, mowing down stormtroopers, as is tradition, and head towards the bridge. Can I coin this? Henceforth, this crew shall be known as the Spice Trade Girls. <laughs> Please. Merchandise. <laughs> 
<laughs> when the coast is clear, Dune pops out and heads toward the brig to save Grogu. So they're going to go create a diversion. He's going to get Grogu. Realizing that they're under attack, almost immediately, Moff Gideon gives the order to deploy the dark troopers. Cue the dubstep. On his way to the brig, Din encounters the dark troopers. He manages to eject most of the platoon out the airlock, but has a gnarly showdown with one remaining dark trooper. Big, major Terminator vibes here. I saw, at least, being a Terminator superfan. Rock'em Sock'em robots, too. For sure. Straight up. (laughs) Depending on your age, you you connect with one of those two. Or neither. Luckily, Din has his new Beskar spear to take out the trooper, again, Terminator-style, through the neck, twisting it, breaking it off like straight Sarah Connor. Meanwhile, the Spice Trade girls have massacred their way to the bridge. I mean, like, with their eyes closed. Again, we'll yeah. talk about this later with the troopers. It's just, it's like comedy at this point. Nobody broke a sweat. Let's just not, say that. Not even close. They get to the bridge, no Moff Gideon. Oops. Cut to the brig, where Din finds Moff Gideon waiting for him, holding Grogu at Darksaber Point. That's a word, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Din tells Gideon he can keep the Darksaber. All he wants is the kid. Gideon says he has what he wants. He's got enough of the child's blood to study. That's all he wanted to do. Gideon agrees to kind of do this, this trade, which is surprising in the moment, but you've got to expect that he's going to pull some shit, which he does, because as soon as Din picks up the child, Gideon attacks him with the Darksaber, and a fight ensues. It kind of overflows out into the hallway. Din ends up defeating Gideon, brings him to the bridge in binders with baby Grogu in tow. When they arrive, Bo-Katan is visibly displeased to see the Darksaber in Din's hand. It turns out, this is news to us, to reclaim the Darksaber, it needs to be won in battle. This is not good. Yeah, she foreshadowed that twice in this episode. So they, they, they for sure, well, she for sure let us know twice that she's like, he has to surrender to me. Din tries to yield and just give it to Bo-Katan, but she won't accept it. Suddenly, an alarm goes off, kind of breaking the argument, and they see that the Dark Troopers have returned. Cue the dubstep again. The all-black Iron Man suits have flown back into the ship. Yes. Here come, um, what's it called? Iron Dildo? What's it called when uh, Don Cheadle has it? War Machine. War War Machine, Machine. yeah. Yeah. As the Dark Troopers march down the hallway and make their way to the bridge, our crew closes the blast doors, and in full, full full-on Jack Nicholson and the Shiny meets Terminator style, the two troopers at the front of the line start bashing in the door with their fists. No axe, but they're, they're trying to bash it in. Here's Johnny, it's happening. <laughs> With Skrillex playing in the background. <laughs> the crew draw their weapons and prepare for the attack, but let's be honest, they're no match for the Dark Troopers, and they know it. They're screwed if they make it in. Just as the troopers are about to break through the door, though, and it seems like our friends are totally f***ed, an alarm sounds again, but this time... It's a single X-Wing. They're doing it. It's like it. I'm watching it right now. It's like They're I'm watching doing it. it. <sighs> Red 5 is in the air. Oh, God. The X-Wing lands in the docking bay, and the troopers stop punching the door and draw their weapons. Uh. On the black and white security monitor, Bo-Katan... I have got goosebumps everywhere. On the black and white security monitor, Bo-Katan and we see a cloaked figure coming down the halls of the cruiser. Lightsaber drawn. What color is it? We don't know. It's black and white. It's a Jedi, though. It's a Jedi. Every, it has everyone's attention. Holy shit. It's going down. Like, they're watching it on TV, and we're watching them watch it on TV. Yes. <laughs> Inception. It's like, yeah, it's pretty sick, right? This show? <laughs> the Jedi easily slashes his way through the Dark Troopers, one by one, as he makes his way towards the bridge. Cut to a close-up of the Jedi. We're now off of the monitor, 
We're in the Jedi's presence. Close up. It's a green lightsaber. <laughs> it's it's oh a green God. lightsaber. I feel like that that reveal of the saber was very similar to how they revealed Ahsoka's. Yeah. You know, like it's almost like the camera, the saber actually kind of comes through the lens almost in a way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you're like, oh, Ahsoka, it's white, white sabers. This one was like green through the yes. lens. Very sick. Jedi continues to just wreck the troopers, not breaking a sweat either. By the way, we didn't mention this in detail, but Din nearly just lost his life to one of those dark troopers. I mean, like smashing his head into a wall, Terminator yeah. style. It was yeah. rough. So this Jedi is just like effortlessly cutting through these things. Although if anyone is looking for a new motorcycle biking helmet and you're able to find the same brand that Din is wearing, uh, you can get your face smashed up against a metal wall with a Terminator-style fist and not bust a single blood vessel. Not a one. Phenomenal. No scratches on that helmet. No swelling. No no Aleve or Advil needed. (laughs) The wall was giving in. I love that. that, Like Just that little detail there that he was just getting fully punched and his head just kept going further into the wall. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the Jedi massacre of the Dark Troopers. The right hand of this Jedi passes through the frame. (laughs) A gloved right hand holding a familiar lightsaber hilt. Any major Star Wars fan at this point is having an absolute f***ing emotional meltdown. (laughs) Especially with a bottle full of edible treats. (laughs) Especially then. (sighs) At this point, just like we said earlier, Head in the hands, like, oh my god, oh my god, they're, oh my, they're, they're not, they're doing it. It's him. They're doing it, and like in my head, I'm just like, they're doing it, but how are they doing it? Like, well, who is yes. it going to be? Yes, who is it going to exactly be? Exactly, I was saying, Nick. Like, what happens when he pulls his hood back? <laughs> yeah. How is it, How are they doing this? Yeah. Back in the control room, Gideon sees the Jedi on the monitor, grabs a blaster, makes a desperate attempt. He fires first at Bo-Katan and then turns his blaster toward the child. Starts to fire, but then Din jumps in front of the blast, saving the child, and the rest of the crew pull their blasters on Gideon. He's surrounded. He's screwed. So he then turns the blaster on himself, but before he can pull the trigger, Kara knocks it out of his hand, knocks him to the floor. Such a Nazi move. Yes. I'm beaten. I'm going to kill myself. What a loser. The mysterious Jedi continues, mysterious to some people, let's be honest, (laughs) but not most. Mysterious Jedi continues to hack through the dark troopers, drawing closer to the bridge. The child sees him on the monitor, seems to recognize him, kind of puts his hand on the monitor. Or at least like feel, sense him. For yeah. sure, yeah. Whether, whether it's like, I know you, or it's just... You're the one I connected with. Because when the X-Wing was flying in, Grogu perked up. I mean, yeah. yeah. His ears. It seems like he's still kind of whooped from the stormtrooper scene, which could have been days ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it, that's the hardest he's ever gone. Like, he's... Could have pulled a hammy. As you put a couple of weeks ago, Adam, you said something like about, like, a rescue dog that is, like, doesn't know that you're there to help yeah. them. You know what I mean? So they're just lashing out until they can't move anymore, right? Yeah. But he perks up from that tiredness as soon as the X-Wing is flying in. So the, when, when he went to the TV, my instinct was just that he was, like, really sensing the force. That's, yeah. like, that's as far as it went for me. After completely wasting these dark troopers in the hallway leading to the bridge. In full Darth Vader Rogue One style, the Jedi approaches the door, slicing, dicing, like a 90s infomercial for a knife, (laughs) these dark troopers. There's a great, and we'll talk about this too later, there's a great, like, force crush moment there. Oh, so cool. A lot of implications there we should discuss. He's at the door. The crew is scared shitless. Everybody but Din, essentially. Yeah, Fennec's like, are you crazy? Yeah, 
Din opens the door. The hooded Jedi enters. Green lightsaber humming and glowing through the smoke-filled doorway. (laughs) He retracts his lightsaber, slowly clips the hilt to his belt, and draws back his hood. (laughs) It's f***ing Luke Skywalker. (laughs) It's Luke Skywalker. Oh my god, I can't. Unreal. I still can't. I thought maybe they were going to like leave the hood, you know? No. But it was just Luke. (laughs) I can't. I just can't. I still, so it was like, I knew it was him, but like we were saying, I don't, I didn't know how they're going to pull it off. But I feel like almost like, at actually being a de-aged Mark Hamill was like not even on my list of possibilities for some reason. Right. Yeah. So I was shocked. I was still like, I know that's Luke, but how are they going to do this? And I was still, when that hood came off, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they actually just have Mark Hamill in there. Yeah. Fully like face out in the light. You know what I mean? Fully went for it. Full John Williams binary sunset theme. Yep. The whole nine yards. He asks Grogu to come with him. But Grogu hesitates. He doesn't want to come with you, Din says. He wants your permission, Luke says back. Din picks up the child, brings him close. He tells Grogu to go with Luke, says he's one of your kind. He says, I'll see you again, I promise. We're all crying, of course. (laughs) My God. Grogu reaches out, touches the Mandalorian's helmet, gives him a little sad coup. And then, for only the third time in the entire series, and the first time in front of the child, Din removes his helmet. This is like an unreal next-level emotional moment. Grogu touches Din's face. Din tells the child not to be afraid, places him at his feet, but the child holds onto his boot. He's still scared to go. But then, as if we weren't already emo enough, (laughs) as if we already weren't crying hard enough, in rolls R2-D2. If we weren't already in story of the year, yellow card in Bayside. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As if we weren't already crying black tears. It's just like Uh, a dream. It still feels like a dream. Yes. Like, dude, full on alternate 1985. (laughs) Like life has been different since Friday. The child turns around, seeming to recognize R2 and walks to him. R2 seems to recognize him as well. He beeps, boops, squeals. And dances, does that little happy dance that he does. Luke picks up the child. They look at each other in the eyes. Luke looks back at Din, still without his helmet on. And Luke says to him, may the force be with you. (laughs) He sure did. He sure said that. (laughs) He said it. And he leaves with the child. The elevator closes. The end. That shot, dude. The shot of them in the elevator was just... (sighs) It's like that still doesn't seem real. It just doesn't seem real to me that that's what happened. This is like, in the best way, what we talk about all the time. This is straight up fan fiction Star Wars porn. Dude. Yeah, it's, it, I, I said, I think a while back, like, I can only imagine or like fantasize about how far they're going to go now. I can't remember what what episode it was that I, that I kind of, I mean, we've all said that, but what, what episode where I like was kind of hammering that home, but it's, even thinking that they would go the farthest they could go, I didn't think they would go this far. Like This is fully like EU come alive, dude. Now it's just no holds barred, dude. Yeah. There's no limit to how gnarly this is going to be from here out yeah. with all of the shows they've announced. I guess this is like, to me, Star Wars is never linear storytelling. So you know where the ending is going. So it almost kind of, in a way, as long as it doesn't contradict itself, doesn't matter how much the storyline meanders. Yeah. You know? 
For sure. So like yep. we know where Luke ends up. The big question is right now is we don't know where Grogu ends up, but I'm not worried about that. People are saying like, oh, well, Luke has him. He's going to get killed by Ben Solo. Zero percent chance that that's where Grogu ends up. Zero percent. Right. I, we, we, we're not we're not speculating here. but I, so, yeah. And actually, this isn't me speculating. I just I got a text from my cousin who's a huge Star Wars fan as well. And he just said, so you think we get to see Den rescuing Grogu from the temple before Ben slaughters them all? Oh, damn. I mean, <laughs> Something. So, something's going to happen. Going to the temple, fast forwarding to the temple at some point. That that feels to me, again, speculating, but that feels to me like series finale kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like years down the yeah, road yeah. here. Because yeah. I mean, Luke was not young when he had the temple there and, and when Ben turned. So if that was the case. I want to say talking, it's about 10 years from the temple. Like Ben Solo right now right. is alive. He's a, He's a kid. I think we're about 10 years away from that temple existing. So, I mean, I, there's a lot of just strange... Not strange, sorry to say that. There's a, there's a lot of things that almost add up that we're going to have to do some mental gymnastics here. Because I think by the time that temple rolls around, Grogu should be like 80, 75 maybe, yeah. I want to say. He should be a strong little kid. Yeah, and I think I want to say Yoda was like 100 when he was a Jedi Knight. Hmm. So I don't know how this species ages or what, but this kid is puking when he eats cookies you yeah. know like right like i don't know he's 50 years away from being a jedi knight that seems crazy yeah <laughs> yeah well let's let's save all of this speculation and uh the kind of the deep dives for something that i think we're going to start doing on this episode and moving forward we'll do this we're talking about uh, overhauling the patreon we're going to do an after show discussion only on patreon uncut just an open freeform kind of talk we'll do it as video it's for you patrons so look for that after show yeah, let's talk about what we do know. All right, let's discuss a little bit. I know there's some parts that we that we kind of skipped, and I know you guys have some thoughts as well, right? Well, I think we're we're learning that we don't. <laughs> it takes four hours if we jump in on every yeah. moment in the synopsis that we want to say. Yeah, and that. <laughs> so you you said something about. Um, I think we should talk about this. You said something about the the force crush. Yes. And so two two things I want to say. One, in in the rewatch, I did literally moments before jumping on to record tonight. The sickest thing, the force crush is disgusting. Don't get me wrong. But I think the sickest moment, you miss it if you're not watching. There's there's a moment where he, with his left hand, pulls a, a dark trooper towards him mm -hmm. and is spinning around at the same time. And he drops his saber behind his back yes. to block a blaster bolt. Yep. Like, yes. At the same time that he's pulling one towards him, and it was like, oh, just, just holy shit, shit. I'm gonna blow your mind right now. You know that that is on screen in Revenge of the Sith. Anakin does that. The behind the back. Yep. Yes. Oh yeah. Wow. When he's uh, killing all the the what do you call it? The Trade Federation, right? Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. A lot of daddy vibes here. Yeah. Well, then I think that leads us to the Force Crush. Like you yep. want to talk about daddy vibes? I don't know. I just loved how this one was in that same rogue one Darth Vader vibe of yeah. it was fluid. It wasn't, it wasn't like, and I, I don't specifically recall the, the one you're talking about in revenge of the Sith, but this one to me, I don't know if it's the same, but that one 
it, correct me if I'm wrong, is more kind of a one-off thing. Like he's walking yeah. away and he kind of does. Yeah. This was like in the fluid oh, totally. like yeah. ninja samurai what a style that he was just spinning and slaying. Like, and you guys go, I'll shut up. But just you you seeing Luke, like you never got to, like, yes, this yeah. is the same way you felt when you saw Vader in Rogue One. Totally. Like, yeah. So good. I've always heard this guy is the most ridiculous Jedi in the galaxy, but I've never really seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like peak of his powers here right now. Late late twenties, right? So yeah. twenty nine, something like that. Yeah. So it's like a refined, fluid version of just that like raw hammering power that he had in mm-hmm. Jedi when he beat Vader. You know what I mean? There's something to be said here too, and this is this is good, I guess, storytelling or or foresight that these couldn't. He, I don't think Luke would have done this to stormtroopers. They had no. these had to be droids for him to be like this lethal. You know, mm. like I I don't think at this point in his life, like post. Return of the Jedi that he would be like actually killing humans or or people or beings. So I think that this was a good setup to have him be this ruthless to droids and not actual like living beings. Uh, Because there's some legit on top of what you just said, Ryan, there's one move where you only see it on the monitor, black and white monitor. He just straight up like pointy end of the lightsaber into a a dark troopers fate like head and like, Yeah. yeah like pushes him into the wall and it's like looks like he's like frustrated he's like you know he's getting aggression out in that point it's like a very aggressive yeah. move well that's where the force crush comes in oh, like yeah. Do, yeah. do we do we say that we kind of did see some sort of some dark side I like so. coming Dude, through I this mean, is a hundred percent what i thought even in the first watch i was like this is the the time in his life that he was referring to in the last jedi talking about I was Luke Skywalker, Jedi master, mm-hmm. you know, talking about the hubris of the Jedi, this like arrogant, still dark side tendency version of him, even though he's awesome and at the peak of his powers and ultimately like his plan and his outlook is the light side of the force and bringing back the Jedi. He's got his father in him and it's coming out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's I, dark. the force crush is what it comes down to really. So cool. There, There's a lot of gnarly slicing and dicing that again you're right i think if this had been human beings i mean whew, then yeah. then it'd be a whole different discussion but there it's up for discussion which is a cool one you know to think like what would he have done if yeah that corridor had been full of officers and troopers you yeah know? but there, there's some i want to say in like the finale of uh clone wars ahsoka doesn't want to kill any clones either so there's there's some ways yeah. i think to right to, for it to be non-lethal but that's definitely not as fun as seeing luke <laughs> literally sliced one in half long ways vertically <laughs> yeah. so sick. dude the one the one where he like the one that he crushed against the wall with that like shipping oh, container yeah. and then yes. as he was walking by just was like and finished him oh, off man. while he was trapped behind so the thing. smooth yeah so while sick. we're on like luke I, I do want to go back and say something about the opening scene but how immediately did you guys know it was luke x-wing one x-wing i did not know that to me it was one x-wing i was like yep i wanted that but i i didn't feel confident i was like could it be but i didn't want to get my hopes up you know what i mean in the moment i honestly i don't know where my head was at like or what I was thinking, I, I thought you were taking a trip down the Strawberry River. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know where your head was at. It wasn't on yeah, your body. <laughs> yes, I was, but but I was. I mean, I was still like X-wing. You know, um, I like is cool. <laughs> I think I think I uh, I might have gone full speculation in my mind of of what what I've said before. I think maybe I thought Cal. Mm. I don't know why, but I think maybe I thought that. Yeah. We were going to get a new character. 
whether it was him or what, you know, but a new Jedi that we've all kind of been waiting to see that was yeah. going to carry the story forward. Because even all of this said and how epic it was, how much CGI Luke goes forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, that's a, to me, that's a big clue as to the fact that we won't see him again. Right. So soon. this was, this was amazing, but I don't think it's where my head went right away when I saw mm-hmm. the X-Wing. Cause I thought, Oh, we're getting a new Jedi here or another Jedi that's going to be part of the story and moving it forward. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not bummed that it was Luke Skywalker, but it's <laughs> like, I just don't think that's that I could have imagined that that's what they were going to do. I don't know. I don't know why. But. I, I opened up, I got vulnerable. I allowed myself to, for the possibility for me to be let down. But the second I saw one X-Wing, it wasn't two. I knew it wasn't Trapper Wolf and Carson Tava coming. (laughs) It was one X-Wing. And then really the second I saw the first, him walking down the hallway in a cloak. At that point, I was standing up already. I was standing up in front of my TV. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I just allowed myself. Because, I mean, I think we said it on the the Ahsoka episode, on, on the Jedi episode. There was a little bit music clue. And then you just think, this time in the galaxy... He's the Jedi Master. Cal, Ezra, any yeah. of these people. I, I can't not think in like just a behind the scenes sense. Like Cal or Ezra would have been cool for us, but wouldn't have been cool for my mom to right. watch. You know, like it had to be Luke in a business sense, yeah. like in a back end sense, but also in the galaxy. He is currently searching for Jedi. So why Absolutely, wouldn't it be? Yeah. And the only thing I allowed myself to think because I didn't think they could pull off what they pulled off was Cal shows up and he's like, Luke Skywalker said, yeah, yeah, like that. I was prepared for that to happen, you know, yeah, but man, they just did it, which still would have been cool, yeah, sure. But they just, yeah, they went for it, like you said, yeah. So for me, it escalated, and it was like all along that couple minutes, I was allowing myself more and more to accept the fact that it was happening without saying, like, yes, it's happening until I saw the glove. I saw the the first, I saw the green lightsaber, I was like. Okay, people have green lightsabers. Okay, let's not get <laughs> yeah. too excited. But then I saw the glove and the hilt, and like I know, I know lightsabers really well. That's like kind of my thing mm-hmm. that I'm I'm into. I got a damn book over there of all the lightsabers. I study that shit. So I was like, that's it. The black glove, that hilt, it's green. And I said to myself, same thing. I go, it's him. <laughs> it's him. He's here. Yeah, he's here. And then I just like, like I said before, watch the rest of the episode with my head in my hands, like in escalating degrees of disbelief and yeah. joy and and like just emotional eruption it was unreal still I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm not saying this in jest i feel like i've been on cloud nine it feels like a dream since friday like i cannot yeah. believe it there's <laughs> i i legitimate i think i've watched the episode four times through but i've watched that x-wing show up from that point on 10 times probably i will just yeah. cue that up and be like i got a free 10 minutes right now let me, let me watch that. <laughs> Dude, I posted somebody, I forgot who made this, but I posted on my Instagram. They cut together 21 or 22 Jump Street. I don't remember which one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, dude, you killed it. It's perfect. I, I thought you made it. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> no, somebody, I can't take credit, but dude, that's exactly, exactly how I felt. Straight up, yeah. He's funny, man. <laughs> Let's talk about a couple things from the beginning of the episode. Those yeah. those two little points of drama that I think were really good. The the pilot of the Imperial shuttle mm. who's holding Dr. Pershing at gunpoint and antagonizing Kara, like you guys said yeah. before, talking about the rebellion in, in terms of them being terrorists and mm-hmm. the, the Imperials being true believers. Yeah. There was some good stuff in there. It was interesting. There, there, to me, one guy had a job in the Empire and the other guy was a believer. 
Because mm-hmm, the believer sure. shot the guy who was like, uh, I'm just, I just work here, you know? Yeah, so exactly. It, it's just interesting to see because I'm sure that that has like some real life uh, viability with like people going into the army because they need a job, you know? And then there's some yeah. people who are like, hell yeah, America. For sure. Or, <laughs> or Germany. Yeah. Or North Korea. <laughs> totally. And we mentioned the, the tear tattoo on Kara. Yeah, yeah, that's real cool because I think that's the first mention of why she has it. Being from Alderaan and that's in memory of, of Alderaan. Mm-hmm. And the way he talked about it, trying to get under her skin, talking about how he, he enjoyed seeing all of those people die, yeah. that he was on the Death Star when it happened. And she comes back with a sick burn. She's like, which one? Yeah, so good. <laughs> it's great. It's just really, really great. He did mention, too, he was like, do you know how many millions of people died on the Death Star? Yeah. So that, that kind of puts some numbers on, you know, I mean, we know that they're massive space stations, but damn, millions, millions of people died. And it's really cool how they're, in this series, really humanizing the bad guys. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they're, not ju- they're not just targets like the, <laughs> like the stormtroopers. They're, they're revealing them as people that have strong beliefs yeah. in terrible shit beliefs nonetheless as humans yeah just makes for better storytelling and better uh, or bigger stakes i should say same thing with the clones and clone wars it's like whoever thought that they would be anything more than just like actual clones like robotic clones but clone wars gave them all personalities well for all the issue that i take with aspects of the prequel films coming from space epic adventure to trade disputes and all the things that they tried to pull off in the prequels yeah this is how you do that to Mm -hmm interject politics and and you know extremism yeah. and all the things that would build the empire i just i feel like feloni and favreau for president and vice president that's all i'm saying <laughs> another part from the beginning the interaction between bo katan and boba mainly and Cosca reeves great exchange there lots of good dialogue that reveals a lot or at least clarifies to a lot of people who maybe didn't know the Boba's history, where he came from, his lineage, it, they do it in this awesome kind of like shit talk exchange. And we also get Boba's feelings on things. So Bo-Katan says, you're not a Mandalorian. And he says, I never claimed to be or never said I was, right? Yeah. And then Din says something about getting the cruiser and this could help you in your quest to reclaim Mandalore. And Boba's like, oh God, you gotta be yeah. kidding me. Mandalore? Yeah, I just loved her, like, hearing his voice and just being like, I've heard that voice a thousand times. Like, she didn't think, she wasn't saying, oh, I know you're Boba Fett. She's just like, I know you're a clone under there, which is why she thought he was a fake, basically. She says, you're a disgrace to your armor. And he's like, this armor belonged to my father. And she goes, don't you mean your donor? So good, man. Deep cuts. Did you think, so... I'm always looking, Star Wars always does this this kind of exposition thing where they're like, blah, 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 see? And then they'll like put the camera on a person or something like that. So at yeah. that point, Bo-Katan says the Darksaber could cut through anything. Casca Reeves says, well, almost anything. And then they show Boba Fett. And in my head, I'm just like, oh man, is there's always been some sort of discourse about whether or not Boba's armor is actually Beskar. And it might be like a blend or something, yeah. I think, called like Durasteel or something like that. So I was like, oh, man, is there going to be a moment where we see the Darksaber like lunge towards Boba and it actually goes through his steel? Yeah. So I worried at like 12, 10 <laughs> in the morning, like, oh, shit, is Boba? Are they going to kill Boba? Yeah. But that didn't happen. But there was like a weird edit there where they... She said that, and immediately they showed Boba. And I was like, uh-oh. Yeah. Have you felt better about, uh, we talked about this, whichever chapter it was where Bo-Katan showed up for the first time. 
about like them kind of explaining away how she's aged or hasn't aged. Yeah. But I don't you feel I, I felt better about it watching her in this episode. Like I felt more like, yeah, I guess she could have been just like she was really, really young, young and yeah. now in, she's in, in her for, yeah. early forties or whatever. You know, like yeah. I think that track I, I I felt more comfortable with it in, in this chapter than I did the first time. Like not needing an explanation. Yeah. Like it felt like, yeah, okay, that actually seems like she might this might be the right age. I don't know if you guys felt that yeah. way too. It's completely fallen off my radar. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I, if there's going to be some suspension of disbelief, this one's easy, you know? Yeah. Uh, I really did love in, in when, when the, the Spice Trade girls were <laughs> kicking ass, Fennec actually started to be physical and was actually kicking ass. She was doing some yeah. spin kicks and stuff like that, which was very dope. What else? So I haven't seen anyone kind of die on that hill of maybe that uh, Grogu and R2 back and forth was everyone was like, oh, yeah, they recognize each other from the temple. But I'm like, okay, so Grogu's on the temple, and the question of how did Grogu make it through Order 66 is still out there. And I just feel like R2, full of plot holes, you know? That guy could handle yeah. any plot hole. Did R2, yeah. and back then he had, you know, thrusters in his legs, you know? Like, yeah. he, he yeah, full-on yeah. could have grabbed <laughs> Grogu and go? hit him somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I feel like if there's going to be... Fill that plot hole for me, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, did the, where did they go? <laughs> you have to assume, though, that they knew each other. Because mm-hmm. I, like I said in a, a previous episode, I, I really feel like Grogu and Anakin shared a space at some point. Whether they were both as younglings there with Yoda or continued to see each other as, as Anakin grew like a normal human and Grogu continued to be a little baby. You know, it's like, hey, buddy, there you are. Good to see you again. Keep being a baby, you know, with R2, you know, on his heels the whole time. So he probably got exposed to R2 a lot. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, that's, to me, that's, then that's just a cute moment. But the the question is still out there is like, how did he get out of the temple or was he hiding on the temples? So yeah. It's really weird. Luke showed up and Din was like, he doesn't want, Grogu doesn't want to go with you. R2 shows up and he's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. I know you. Hey, Let's party. I'm Grogu. Let's get out of here. <laughs> All the stuff makes a lot of sense, but uh, some things don't to some people. <laughs> a certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Billy Ryan Key, tell us some stuff that some people may be bummed about. Lately, I haven't really been, I don't think any of us have really been very in tune with some of the gripes out there. Or there just aren't as many. There, there are, there are not. So we are digging for gripes for sure. For, yeah. for what people, but there, there are some this week that I would say it's funny because this episode is is a, a treasure chest of childhood joy and just tears, you know. So like, there's nothing wrong with it. But there are more things on the list of gripes this week that I agree with. I think than most episodes. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. First, I think we should all just have a little round table about how we feel about the Dark Trooper dubstep. <laughs> it's weird, man. It's because weird. he has the score for this show has been so phenomenal. Yeah. Let me just say that that this is not so good. I want so, so I, good. I want some at some point in my life for my full time job to be doing what he does for a living you know, scoring things. So uh, I hate to say anything critical at all because what if someday he listens to our little podcast and is like, <laughs> well, fuck you bro. <laughs> but it was a little jarring. And it was also like, there were a couple of scenes where I, it went from 
this like grindy, but also like melodic in a weird, like dubstepy thing, right yeah. to a. It was like stomp. Yeah, but then like <laughs> it, it would cut straight from that to a recorder going, you know, and it was just like, what is happening? There was also, I think it was more so when they were walking, there was like a, like a James Bond, like, yes, absolutely. That's what I was trying. Dude, you just said what I was trying to say when I said melodic, like that's what, that's exactly the moment I was thinking of. Like, it was like, um, I'm not a music theory person, but if someone was on this show, they would know what I'm trying to say. It was like the mode that that melody was in where it's, it was very minor underneath, but it was very major on top. Like it Mm -hmm. it felt that, which is very James Bond. That's that, that's that thing. It's like mysterious, but also kind of like exciting sounding. It's not like a downer, you know, that's, that's that mode, whatever that is. So again, brilliant. The score is brilliant to be able to write a piece like that. I don't know how to do that, you know, but I mean, everyone's themes crush it. Maybe he's just, maybe Favreau and Filoni are like, hey, these dark troopers are like, literally, this is the only time you're going to see them. Yeah. Like they're done after this. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know, dubstep and this weird <laughs> horn well, section thing. And it didn't go as full, <laughs> far as like full, like it, it wasn't like dubstep. Let's be honest. It wasn't like, yeah. I made the joke earlier, like it wasn't going like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like. Dude, he, I heard the massive synth in there. I heard it. There was definitely massive synth, but. It wasn't like it wasn't actually full on what dubstep. No. Let's get, the way it was it, placed. It blended well enough with like them moving that it felt like it like blended with the foley in a way that wasn't in your face as much. Well, mm-hmm. he's also pushed the boundary throughout this series of contemporary yeah. scoring with classical scoring. He re, he has and he's knocked it out of the freaking park. So no, it's so good. This was just another so example of that. I think of him like pushing the boundary, like how far can I go with yeah. a fully synth driven, like grindy kind of like robots marching to kill you score. And <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, dude, I love you and your work is incredible. So I'm not at all crap talking what you're doing. I just think this wasn't the, it, this didn't land as well as all the rest of it. It was a little yeah. on the nose. It was like, yeah. uh, what can I do for these uh, droids? Uh, robot sounds. Okay. Yeah. Go. <laughs> Here's my closing certain point of view justification. There are some things, if you listen to, I want to say it's Return of the Jedi. There's some synth things in there, some like 80s and late 70s synth things that Williams uses. Oh, yeah. That I didn't realize were in there until like five years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, I don't, I don't even, I have to listen back. So he was dabbling at that point, and I would almost guarantee that Ludwig heard that in his research and said, okay, that gives me license to, to do this. Yeah, so. but, but he's been doing it all along is my point. Only to say yeah. that he's, he's yeah. pushed the, the boundary and, and moved it. He's moved the line. I mean, he's really done some incredible groundbreaking shit with this score. Yeah, I think he's crushing it. Whatever, whatever Emmys are allowed to go to the composer, he gets all of them. I mean, he's just, yeah. he's just, yeah. Oh, pop your trunk. Like we're throwing yeah, him in. Dude. Yeah. 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 You're bringing home the hardware, but it's just like, I just, I don't know. I was, I think on the nose, Nick, like you said, it was that, that's the right term. It was just like robots and this. Yeah. Okay. It's a small price to pay for the rest of the score we've been given for 16 yeah, episodes I mean, of television. Night Owl's theme. The Night Owl's theme is unreal. Boba Fett, very sick theme. 
the child has that playful like Pixar theme. Obviously, Mando like he he is. Crushing and I know it. He, he didn't write it, but he did get to actually write when it, and I mean physically write the notes on mm-hmm. paper to play the Force theme, the Binary Sunset. What it's an, yeah, and that was presented like, a little different too. Yeah. He had he had yeah. a little like I don't know if there 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 was like a almost like steady tone behind it mm-hmm. or something like that. He he definitely yeah. like gussied it up a little bit, which is great. Yeah. What you got next, Ryan? What are the people complaining about? A stormtrooper just falls through the like force field that uh, look. This can't be the same force field that you have to you know find your way for an hour or two hours through the puzzle to get around the force field in Fallen Order because otherwise yeah. you're dead. But uh, apparently, there's gripes about a stormtrooper falling through the blue kind of like you know this holds the ship together force field and just like exiting out into sp- the vacuum of space. I mean, we've seen these these things before and i guess they allow ships i guess they allow you know hard goods to pass through them but they keep space out and allow air to stay in so here's what i think being a science nerd they have the technology to do you know faster than light travel they've got lightsabers they've got blasters they've got all this crazy they've got force fields period shields i'm guessing this works just like oil floating on the top of water mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you jump through you pass through it and it just seals right back up so whatever the the force field equivalent of that is i guess that's it you know it's just it's yeah, holding the air it's in. not like hard matter it's it, it, it's like a, it is it's an energy field yeah yeah so the question was whether it should disintegrate you or not right you know but <laughs> to be fair the ones in uh fallen order or anywhere you see anything like that are red that's like okay don't go in there yeah and this one was blue Prison doors, same thing. Yeah. That checks out. That works. Um, Bo-Katan refuses to take the Darksaber from Din without earning it. However, in Rebels, she did accept it without earning it when Sabine gave it to her. Just mm. handed it over. Yeah. This one's tough. Especially with the, like, I mean, someone who was so involved with those characters at that time in Rebels and Clone Wars, yeah. you know, to, like, be involved in this and then not reconcile that. I have, I have two thoughts to how I get my, my brain around things. I think in that scene in Rebels... There's a literal like Mandalorian clans cheering her on to take it. Maybe it's a little pressure, but also this whole passing of the Darksaber thing. That That's also in, I believe it's in Clone Wars. Vizsla has it, and if anyone defeats him, he they get the Darksaber. So I think there, there's a way that she takes it from Sabine almost in like a peer pressure sense or in an approval sense that all the clans are like, yeah, you're the, the ruler. Cool. But now she lost it. We don't know how most likely to Gideon, it seems like. So I feel like maybe she wants to earn it like correctly this time. She doesn't want to take it for a second time. Yeah. This is all very WWE, like winning the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I mean, you have to think, Ryan, like you said, Filoni and Favreau are writing this and overseeing it. So it's not, this isn't a bullshit retcon. This is well thought out. And you have to assume that just something changed. Is Sabine giving it to her more like the queen knighting you, though? You know? I don't know, because I think Sabine and Ezra found it. So, like... But, like, like <laughs> They she, didn't earn it either, She you know? knows that, that yeah. Din got it via combat. So yeah. she has to take it via combat. But Sabine giving it to yeah. her is like, I'm... Look what I found. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You're more important than me. Take it. And she's also literally the princess, you know? like That's she, what I mean. She is going to rule because of her lineage, but also she should just have the Darksaber if she's going to be the ruler. Yeah. So maybe like you said, Nick, because she lost it, she has to earn it back herself. Yeah. And I just think, you know, like if you 
didn't earn it the first time and you lost it maybe the second time she she's just like no i need to do it right this time she's so upset though <laughs> she's so mad yeah it's like how for uh for 15 years i pirated adobe software and then when creative cloud came around i was like well i must pay <laughs> <laughs> uh there's a scene where luke saber it seems like they forgot to add the glow it, oh, yeah, it, it looks just like an led blade from galaxy's edge yeah yeah and, for sure and compounded by the fact that his glove looks like uh, i mean uh, look i'm not it looks like a brand new isotoner <laughs> from burlington co factory <laughs> yeah, but dude. he could dude he could be you know there could be a side of luke new that we don't know it could be. that like he's got a drawer full of glove like he one yeah. thing he's got to have is a fresh glove <laughs> yeah. it's just got to yeah. be fresh like i mean it's just these things like i am happy i watch these things and they I notice them, but they don't ruin things for me. But I noticed that yeah. right away. I'm like, that's a brand new glove. Like they, the the plastic box, the box it was in is like backstage somewhere. <laughs> they just opened that and yeah. the actor is wearing it's it. It's tough to say so, whether it would have been cooler if it was kind of like worn in and grungy, you know, yeah. or if we reacted the way we reacted, even though you knew that still your subconscious was like tripping because the shine of the glove. Because of yeah. the glove, totally. you know, if it had been like kind of grungy and, and worn in. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I would have been like, oh my God, that's Luke Skywalker. Who's been through some shit. Yeah. Maybe, mm -hmm. but I also might've not, I might've been like, okay, it's a glove. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There's something about the shine of that black leather. That's so iconically mm -hmm. Luke. Maybe he's just like Lil Wayne. He only wears white t-shirts once. Takes <laughs> him out of the package. You wear it is in the trash. <laughs> that's what I said. That's what I'm saying. Maybe he just got to have a fresh glove on. <laughs> that's his thing. Or this is meant to represent him being in that position of power and arrogance. And he really, the stakes aren't as high for him in life. He's just cruising through finding little Jedi kids and just making his new temple. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? He's like at the peak of his powers physically force wise. And literally like he, he is, he, he may not be like the Supreme chancellor of the new Republic, but he's like, he's the biggest in town <laughs> and he knows it. So, of course, he's going to have a brand new glove. He also might only wear the glove when he goes out in public, which is probably not that much. Yeah. Maybe he lost. To, he has to always buy a pair of gloves. Maybe he lost his last one. He's like, got to stop at Burlington Co. Factor and get a new isotoner. <laughs> <laughs> but did you guys notice that the one scene, it's I want to say it's one of the last scenes before he hops in the lift to go up to the bridge where the blade is very green and normally a lightsaber almost seems like it's borderline white with like a colored glow. Yeah. White core. Yeah. 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 So this, there's one scene where he's taken out some dark troopers and it looks like, uh, you see it in some of the behind the scenes of like Ray and Kylo fighting. Like it is a colored lightsaber, an led like bulb or whatever it is, you know, this one looked like that for a second. And then every other scene looked fine. Hmm. I felt, I felt like yeah. it looked really green. I mean, from the start, like just overall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very saturated. But I would have to, I would have to rewatch it again to, to pick that out. I think I actually, yeah. I think I might know what you're talking about, but yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, it's before he crushes the, you know, the scene before he crushes the, the, the one. I dark wonder trooper. if that could possibly have just been, you know, nuts and bolts, man, just like timing. Like the, the dude, we, this has to be done tomorrow. And someone yeah. was like, <laughs> 
oh shit, we did not yeah. light correct that lightsaber scene. And they're like, yeah. there is no possible way that that can be done by, <laughs> by the time. And they were like, well, yeah. it's green, whatever. Let it go. <laughs> it's fine, you know? ship it. <laughs> um, all right. Why did the dark troopers stop when Luke showed up? Isn't that weird? Yeah. I Agreed. put this in here. Yeah. They stopped banging on the door. Do they just inherently know there's a threat? You know, they're, they're, they're wired in via... <laughs> always love Star Wars for like how low tech and high tech it can be at the same time. So most yeah. things have to be plugged in via droid, right? To like a terminal. Yeah. But then there's also things that you can just say, hey, a droid, and they go, yep, I've got that, you know, right? So yeah. Yeah. maybe via whatever primitive version of Wi-Fi connectivity they have in Star Wars tech, you yeah. know, they're just tuned into the ship and they're like, uh, foreign object, you know, ship approaching kind of thing. Yeah, there was there was an alarm yep. when the sh- when the X-wing showed up just like when they showed yeah. up. So, yeah, maybe they're like new target. Yeah. <laughs> they sound like my MacBook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was going to put this in the den, but I I that is absolutely the parallel to when Captain Marvel shows up in Endgame. Yeah. Everyone in Endgame is like getting the crap beat out of them. It seems like, you know, the music is blasting, it seems like they're just in total peril, and then Thanos's ship stops shooting at the ground and then start shooting towards the sky. And everyone's like, what, what's going on? <laughs> and it's Captain Marvel showing up. Like they disengage and start aiming somewhere else. And this is, the, yeah. that's the exact same moment. Yeah, yeah. I think they just had to be tuned, stuff. tuned into the ship somehow. You know, they're just all, all the Imperial electronics are tuned in to each other somehow. Yeah. That's how I'm going to explain it. My brain. <laughs> all right. I think this is the big one on the webs. The most discussed thing whether you think this was acceptable or not or well done or not. I think a lot of people are talking about the CGI Luke Skywalker. A lot of people are displeased. So, fellas, go ahead. Love to hear your take. You, you guys know that I'm, like, I, Avatar is unwatchable to me as a film. <laughs> so you know how I feel about CGI, but I want to hear how you feel. Nick, you go first. I'd rather it be 98% good, which is what I think it is then it be another actor or it's such a slippery slope, but I feel like the story is ultimately what's important. And agreed. There's a good line. Actually, there's a very good line, which I, I kind of think parallels this thought process by Gideon in the, in this episode, the story is what's most important, which is why Luke shows up to begin with. They knew it was the hardest thing to do because Mark Hamill's 60 something years old, probably, but they had to do it. So what do you do? Cast someone, do you do like your second fan casting of this series? Because Rosario Dawson was basically a fan cast. For sure. Do you just get Sebastian Stan? It's like ad nauseum hearing Sebastian Stan's name at this point attached to being Luke. But you can't complain that they got Mark Hamill to do this part. He's the only person who really can pull this off at this point. I know that people look at these like photoshopped mashup images of Sebastian Stan on Luke's body. And it's like, it just doesn't seem right to me. Like, it just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. So yeah, there's there, it looks better. It looks a hundred percent sometimes. And it looks like 98% good sometimes, but it's Mark Hamill. How could you be upset? You know, I think Nick, you put it best in a tweet that we as kids have all this imagination it, it lets us just like run wild with all the stuff that could be. And we all speculate mm-hmm. up and down, left and right about everything in this universe. But when it comes to that 2% that you need to just get on and stay on the ride in this episode, 
Wow. Just imagine, you know, have that same imaginary feeling. Like, why do you like this stuff in, in the first place? Is it, it makes your imagination run wild. You're telling me yeah. you can't just like imagine that extra 2% of Luke yeah. having uh, eyeballs that aren't flat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I, that's exactly how I took in this episode because, mm-hmm. or, the, or that moment, because I'm super, super in tune and I have my ear to the streets with all of this CG facial rendering stuff, whether people are doing just like 3D sculpts, you know, that I follow on Instagram or I'm mm-hmm. watching behind the scenes. I, I follow all kinds of deep fake accounts on YouTube. I'm like, so for just a lay person, I'm pretty like well educated in, in how this stuff gets made. I don't know how to do mm-hmm. it, but I understand the processes. So I'm, this is like super on my radar. Yeah. And it did take me out a little bit in thinking, okay, how did they do this? Mm-hmm. You know, I was wondering, and it didn't look as good as other things that I've seen in the past, but it's a TV show. Yeah. yeah. It's Disney and it's a huge budget, but Still, they can't drop another million dollars on just this or several million dollars on just this face for these few minutes. Yeah. They still have to work within a reasonable budget. And you know, just like the volume, they're setting themselves up to do something better next time. And they're fully invested in using new technologies. So I just, I mean, it was Luke to me, regardless of how I would score it on the scale of Phantom Menace to Logan. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It was still Luke Skywalker to me, and I still cried like a baby and had an amazing, magical moment yeah. watching this. Same. Yeah. It was about the moment for me, and I think if I'm breaking it down, taking it apart, the, I didn't even really think about the eyeballs. I see it in my head. I see it, and I won't let you say that. But it's not always. It's there's one but, when he isn't straight on. Yeah, you get yeah. flat eyeballs. But Some stuff with the mouth the as mouth, well. But the mouth yeah. was the the thing yeah. that was the hardest to. Especially mm-hmm. on second viewing, it was like a ventriloquist with a puppet. Like if you're looking <laughs> yeah, at yeah. the puppeteer and not the puppet. Yeah. That, you know, but again, I, I, I would say normally this is something that I would take, I would take serious issue with because I, I never understand the celebration of things that are like not not good, right? So like, mm-hmm. like I, and again, like, look, I'm, I mean, our, our podcast stays in a positive headspace. So I try to say this in a way that's like respectful and like not like shitting all over something. But I bring up Avatar for a reason because at the time when that happened and everybody was just like losing their mind over what it was, still to this day, just, I don't think it's just me. I think there are other people who feel this way, but I was just like, it's not it, like who framed Roger Rabbit were, was cartoons and people in the same movie. Like that, yeah. that's what that looks like to me personally. I don't mm-hmm. really get what right. all the hoopla is about, but so normally this is something I think that I would take serious issue with, but the anticipation and the building up to the moment and the still of when he pulled his hood back. That looks, when he first so pulled good. the hood back, it's yeah. it's real. It's him standing yeah. there. So like, that was brilliant that they did that first because it allowed your brain to digest it. Like, oh my God, Luke Skywalker standing there. Then you're kind of like, oh yeah, it's CG. I can tell by the mouth and whatever else, right? But that first mm-hmm. moment was like, it, I mean, it was just him. He was just standing there. But I, I, I'll finish this up and we can move on to the den. I would say that I personally would not have taken issue with them casting someone else. Only because it's 2020. We're telling this news story. 
plenty of other film and television franchises have celebrated and played characters at different eras and different times with different actors because the character is what matters, right? That's Mm -hmm. Luke Skywalker is who is written. And I love that we revere and worship the actors that play these characters, you know, especially the original trilogy and, and going back that far to our childhood and why they matter to us so much. But it has been 40 years. If they were to cast someone that was talented to play the role of Luke Skywalker, I would not have had an issue with it. Oh, totally. I, I, I'd be fully on board because I think that I think there are repercussions to doing it this way. I think that automatically makes my brain think that we're not seeing Luke. Exactly. If they cast somebody, it could go forward. Be like, oh, maybe Luke is going to be a, mm-hmm. a character in this show now. Mm-hmm. So the one thing that the Gideon's line that I think when he said this line, it really resonated to me in a overall Star Wars sense. He said, the dark saber doesn't have power. The story does. And I think that that really is a good way to parallel Star Wars execution versus Star Wars story. Star Wars execution is always going to be, you know, besides the original trilogy, which was years ahead of its time, prequels, a lot of people have issues with, sequels people have issues with, even some of the stuff in Mandalorian people have the issues with. But the story is what has the power, not the like crudeness of the actual movie or the acting or whatever. It's like if you are invested in the story, it doesn't matter whether it's animation, whether you're reading a novel, whether you're watching a TV show, whether you're in a a theater, the story is what matters. And I think that that line to me was like a really cool parallel to being like, it doesn't matter that you have the dark saber, it's how you got it. That's what has the power. So if you're having issues with any of this stuff, just think about why you're here. Why are you listening to a Star Wars podcast? Why are you watching The Mandalorian? It's because of the story. Yep. And the story's always going to go on forever. And remember how often we talk about the people that are making it and how much they love it and how proud of it they are. Mm-hmm. And for you to take issue enough to go on the internet and spew your negative bullshit about how you felt the CGI on Luke's face looked... Put yourself in Dave Filoni or John Favreau's shoes growing up as a Star Wars fan your whole life, reaching every goal you ever imagined and then some, and then being the executive producer, writer, director, creator of a Star Wars live action television show. And you're looking at the dailies, the monitor, and there's Luke Skywalker and you're making, it's in your story and you've made it happen. And you're so over the moon and elated and filled with joy that you're bringing this to people. Shut up. You know, like, <laughs> like that, I, I can't imagine what it was like. And dude, I'll say the same for James Cameron and Avatar, the way I'm talking about it. Like, I don't love it, but I can only imagine what he felt like seeing that come to life on screen, the colors and the worlds and the, you know, the way he created that. Like, it was a moment of probably pure unadulterated joy for him. Like, I can't believe what I just made. Like, I'm able to put myself in those shoes and not be a complete asshole about how I feel about it. And the world would just mm-hmm. be a better place if more people could do that. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh gosh. It's a Calicori. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Knock, knock. Nikki, we're at the den. Let us in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome, everyone, to the den. Uh, although this was Luke Skywalker's episode and saying goodbye to Grogu, there actually was a, a decent amount of uh, cool little tidbits and Easter eggs and all that type of stuff. So obviously the the, the the show opens up with that Lambda Imperial shuttle being chased and more more famously that's been used kind of as a Trojan horse in Return of the Jedi to, to get that Endor crew 
into Imperial space on Endor. So kind of have the same vibe here that Bo-Katan and, and Din and all them are uh, using that same shuttle to infiltrate Gideon's cruiser. So it's pretty cool. It's an nautical, sir, but it checks out. Yeah. <laughs> that's my, that's hey. my line, dude. I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. <laughs> that's my life motto. <laughs> So one thing we've always, uh, since really the the opening of season one, Dr. Pershing with his uh, patch and his curiosity when it came to the child, everyone's been like, he's a clone engineer. So we do get actual confirmation that I think we all knew after in the siege, you know, we get more into that Imperial lab that looks like some sort of genetic cloning or something is going on. So this is the last, just last nail in the coffin that Pershing is a clone engineer. So Pershing confirmed. 100% of districts reporting. (laughs) Stop the steal, man. Maybe he's not. (laughs) Uh, Moving on, Death Watch mostly used uh, those gauntlet fighter ships in the Clone Wars. And this is our first time seeing that gauntlet fighter IRL just in live action. Slave One pulls right up to it and you know we're about to see Bo-Katan in that cantina, which is very dope. Such a sick looking ship, dude. Yeah, yeah I love the I love the wings from an engineering standpoint, like how it takes off and yeah. it's so sick. Oh, it's so cool. Maybe next season, uh, it seems like we're getting going to get into more Mandalore history. Maybe we'll start to actually see them take off and get into some uh, dogfights with gauntlet fighters. Very, very dope. I'm here for it. So when they get into that uh, cantina... A little fight breaks out between Casca and Boba, and it's so on the nose, but still so awesome. Casca is obviously played by WWE superstar Sasha Banks, and she just straight up uses her jetpack to deliver a tornado DDT to poor 60-year-old Boba Fett. (laughs) An actual wrestling move. (laughs) A rocket-assisted wrestling move. It's so funny. And then when they're back on the ship, she does another like jetpack assisted, like flying knee. So it's pretty cool. I mean, you you get to see Cara Dune do some MMA shit. And now uh, Sasha Banks is doing some uh, WWE moves, which is pretty cool. What are we calling them? The Spice Trade Girls. The Spice Trade Girls. (laughs) I love that. All right. Moving on. Pershing, when they're uh, kind of putting that plan together to infiltrate the light cruiser that Gideon is on. Pershing mentions that the dark troopers are third generation and that they're fully droids. And he alludes to the fact that the prior two generations actually probably had troopers in them and that the uh, human was the last issue to be solved. <laughs> so, yeah, the last uh, weak link. Pretty interesting how so in the prequels, we had battle droids. They sucked and they're like, we need humans. Yeah. So they got clones and now they're like, yeah, these clones suck. Yeah. Let's get droids. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, they're they're definitely more badass for sure than the, the B1 battle droids. Another weird term I want to say, uh, FET uses the term jump space. I don't remember them ever calling like hyperspace jump space, right? I, dude, I was wondering that, but I feel like I heard it in the prequels. This could be a false memory, but I don't know. It It sounded weird, but slightly familiar. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Whether we've heard it or not before, it could just be like vernacular. You know, it could just be yeah, that, totally. that depending on your upbringing and where you're from and how you've traveled or whatever. It's like you just say it differently, you know? I wonder if it is an Easter egg and like I just don't remember like Django saying it or something like that. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Fets too, he calls Bo-Katan princess a couple of times, which is obviously she is the actual princess of Mandalore. But it gave me like real Han Solo and Leia vibes too. Yeah. Like a facetious, like, okay, princess. Yes, your highnessness. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
So moving back into that cruiser, Gideon's cruiser, I really did like we've never seen TIE fighters really uh, deployed until this series. Dude. And we see how their their wings f- fold and all that type of stuff. But this one was just like a crane machine, like crane machine slingshot. It was it was <laughs> so cool. So if a green lightsaber and a black leather glove had not entered the chat, yeah. then <laughs> favorite scene would have been just done. I'm, I'm done. It was I, I don't know, like. For all that this show has displayed the uh, ineffectiveness of stormtroopers, if I'm going to find a gripe overall with Mandalorian, which is really hard to do, the stormtrooper thing to me is getting old. What is the Empire? How did they ever accomplish anything? How did, what, what do storm, what, what are they enlisted for? What are they like? I will just quickly go to the scene where the Sprice Trade girls are opening the elevator and all of the stormtroopers are waiting for the door to open. And they didn't even take the time to make like one blaster bolt deflect off of some Beskar. No. It's a corridor with four human beings standing in doors that are opening and you're armed, aimed, and ready to go. It's like a bowling lane. Cocked, locked, and ready to rock. <laughs> and not a single shot. Like, it's just... Yeah. But I'm only bringing this up because that does kind of bother me. Like, I, I don't know if they're going to keep making that just comedy or if they're going to realize, like, oh, yeah, maybe we can't explain this away anymore that they ever dominated any planet or any system, you know? I mean, there's just no stakes, you know? Like, that's ultimately the issue. You're right. That's exactly what it is. It's that when every time any characters in this show are going up against a legion of stormtroopers, you already know the stakes are at zero. There's no chance <laughs> yeah. they're getting they're going to lose to these guys, right? I will say, though, that throughout the history of Star Wars, TIE fighters, while they also get pretty much owned at every turn, they've brought down some ships. Yeah. TIE fighter pilots are effective. They can disrupt an assault. So the menacing vibe of the TIE fighter pilots in that scene and the menacing vibe of the TIEs if you give me that music and stormtroopers running around the corner, I'm like, uh, okay, well, no. But with that music and the and the Tie Fighters, you're like, oh, oh, shit's about to go down. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. you can believe that a, that a squadron of Ties is about to launch out of there and do some damage. Like, you know, they're gonna lose because it's Star Wars, right? And we're all right. gonna accept that the good guys have to win. That's part of the deal. So you know they're gonna lose, but. I don't know. There was like this menacing feeling about those ties launching that was like so sick. And again, something I feel like we've always wanted to see and have never gotten to see, which I think we're getting a lot of out of the Mandalorian. And here's the real world tie-in called an Easter egg, called a reference, whatever. This is really, really similar to the way that actual aircraft carriers launch fighter jets mm-hmm. on, from such a short catapult, runway. Yeah. It's straight up called a catapult. That's cool. Speaking of, I had this cued. Please find a way. What about Willard and Simpkin? Both catapults are broken. We can't launch any aircraft yet, sir. How long? It'll take 10 minutes. Well, shit, 10 minutes. This thing will be over in two minutes. Get on it. <laughs> Got it. Wood and Simpkin. <laughs> Thank the maker, a Top Gun podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, just to, to wrap that up, I mean, TIE fighters have destroyed X-Wings. And Y-Wings. Yeah. And A-Wings. Yeah, and exactly. All of There's them. some consequences when TIE fighters are out there. They're badass. Speaking of consequences, I do think that Gideon is kind of showing some like Thrawn Jr. vibes here of being like the ultimate like tactician and like know-it-all kind of thing, which is cool. It just makes me think like maybe 
he's getting directives from Thrawn. Yeah. So he's he's just being this ultimate, like, assume I know everything. And which Thrawn wouldn't be that blatant about saying that. Thrawn just knows everything. He's just a very smart tactician, which is his ultimate, the, the best thing about him. He's just smooth with uh, his planning. Gideon again mentions the word order. This is the second episode in a row that the word order is thrown around. And I mean, that's just on purpose. Yep. They're talking about the first order, the final order, whatever it is. Yep. Got the clone plan on that Palpatine plot. All right. So uh, kind of crawling our way out of the den here. The Dark Trooper obviously have way big Terminator 2, like T-1000 yeah. kind of moments, just like opening elevator doors and all that type of stuff. Just being like full on brutes, you know, like yeah. they're just almost indestructible brutes. An unstoppable force. Yeah. Two things specifically, that door opening thing with the hands, it mm -hmm. was like on the T-1000, it comes through as a knife blade, then turns into two hooks and he yeah. pulls it open. And then the head smashing thing was fully like when the T-1000, what's his name, Robert Patrick was smashing Arnold's, you know, the T-800's head with that big piece of machinery. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing, dude. The kind of kinetic camera movement. Yeah. Oh, so dope. I love the Terminator, dude. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Thank the maker. A Terminator podcast. <laughs> you know, we've, we've, we've for sure... <laughs> We, we've for sure mentioned that this show is cast in a certain way and has it's for our age group while also bringing in things like Grogu to have, a, you know, bring in a younger generation. But having like people like Carl Weathers, Michael Bean, these are for sure casting choices for a reason to emote that like yeah. subconscious nostalgia that we have. So they're, they're crushing it with these with these choices. And speaking of nostalgia, I think Grogu and Din looking at each other. And Din takes his helmet off. Absolutely like a Luke and Vader slash Anakin moment from Return of the Jedi. Let me look upon you with my own eyes type of moment. Oh. So good. Ben and Han as well. Oh, yep. God. The face touch. Yep. Yep. I touch my dog's face all the time. <laughs> <laughs> After that, you know, the dark troopers are, are getting mowed down by Luke there. Gideon, for the first time, just starts to lose his cool and seems like he uh, is scared. You know, he actually attempts to take his life, although he was fully comfortable moments before being in a room full of his enemies and captured, but thinking he had the upper hand. So he sees a Jedi show up and... I'm sure, assuming he knows everything, like he said, he knows that there is a Jedi out there. I don't know if he knows about Ahsoka, but he knows that a Jedi killed Palpatine. Vader's now dead, and that all was at the, the hands of a Jedi. So yeah. for all Gideon knows, there's one Jedi out there, and he just showed up. Can I just say, just listening to you talk right now, it's just unreal. You you were just like, so while the dark troopers were getting mowed down by Luke, you know, he was thinking about Vader. Yeah. Like, this is all real time. Yeah. This is happening in real time. Like, yeah. yeah. It's wild. I had goosebumps seeing his face turn because he knows the reputation of Luke Skywalker mm -hmm. that we are watching on screen in New Star <laughs> Who's Wars. Now in the in show. That moment. Yeah. yeah. Like that. Oh, dude. So sick. It's so great. It's so well done. It still leaves room for us to have an imagination about Luke. You know, it still leaves room for so much more storytelling. But we did get something that we've up until this point only imagined, you know, and it's it just yep. it was it was so great. Or as if a million voices screamed out in joy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the opposite of Alderaan dying. <laughs> So just going into the how Luke even showed up practically, they cast an actor named Max Lloyd-Jones, the Jedi cloaked, doing all the lightsaber scenes, all that type of stuff, just being a body double for Mark Hamill. 
And then we get the first full use of John Williams' binary sunset, Luke Skywalker's theme, the most beautiful thing that will... You could show a YouTube video of a dog taking a poop with binary sunsets <laughs> in the background, and um, and I'm going to be like, I'm feeling something right now. <laughs> it's a wonderful piece of music. So uh, that's it for the Den of Antiquities. It is literally packed to the brim with Easter eggs, and I got to get out of here. It's packed. It smells like vinegar and dye. <laughs> it's been quite a season in the den. I love you. I know. All right, we've been talking about all the stuff that we love this whole time, so let's try to do this efficiently. We're doing our best. <laughs> well, can't we all agree? I mean, we really don't need to get into individual favorites for this week. What's yeah, right. the point? It goes without saying. From the moment the cloak walked down the hallway, well, for you guys, the moment the X-Wing flew in, I guess you were more ke- hip to it than me. I, I was still not sure. <laughs> I was also stoned, so um, <laughs> so we can call it from the X-Wing, but definitely from the cloak walking down the hallway. Till the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know. Some of my favorite Star Wars of all time. Really. 100%. So blown away. Favorite quotes, though. You guys have favorite quotes? I mean, I've already used it. Like, every time they've used it on the show, it's been my favorite. Wasn't really any different this time. There was an actual scene of Luke Skywalker saying, may the force be with you, and you want me to pick something else? <laughs> hey, I'm just asking. <laughs> just trying to be a good host. Nick, you got anything else? I I do like any reference to Boba being a clone. I think it's just so like it validates the Clone Wars. It validates Django, Boba, Rex, just everybody. So just put yourself in Bo-Katan's shoes for a second in that cantina where she's like, I've heard your voice a thousand times. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, you did. You know, like we're not seeing it right now, but you just hearing that like New Zealand accent must bring back so many memories for her of the Clone Wars. And that's that's just so heavy and cool. That's got to be mine too. Because as much as every second that Bo-Katan is on screen, I love it. There's never a moment where I forget that she was part of the Clone Wars, but they pull off this live action version of her so much that she's just like immediate, just like she's fully a part of the show. She's mm-hmm. fully blended in. But this moment really brought me back and reminded me like, yo, this character came from this amazing other thing and it's fully now part of the live action universe. So that's mine. That's going to be mine. Let's see what the patrons thought though. (laughs) Favorite scenes. (laughs) We're smart asses. We just, (laughs) uh, we pulled the patrons, of course, gave them five nominations, hard air quotes on five nominations for favorite scenes. (laughs) We just knew. We like. We just knew. No matter what we were going to do, it was going to be a massacre. Yeah, but which, <laughs> which variation did they choose? Yeah, so it's all Luke Skywalker. The whole thing, favorite scenes, is all Luke Skywalker. So option one, nominee number one, Luke Skywalker. Nominee number two, holy shit, it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> nominee number three, they really did it. <laughs> nominee number four, Luke Skywalker, oh my goodness. For those of you with softer voices. <laughs> The fifth and final nominee, Luke f***ing Skywalker. <laughs> and the winner <laughs> with 35% of the vote, Luke f***ing Skywalker. <laughs> we are a podcast for adults. I knew it. We are. Further evidence by second place in 24 with 24%. Holy shit, it's Luke Skywalker. <laughs> we love you guys. God, I love that. All right. Favorite quotes. First nominee is Bo-Katan and Boba Fett, like Nick and I mentioned. You are a clone. I've heard your voice thousands of times. Mine might be the last one you hear. 
Second nominee, Boba Fett and Bo-Katan again, same conversation. The Sama belong to my father. Don't you mean your donor? Third nominee from Moff Gideon. He says in reference to the Darksaber. It doesn't work that way. The Darksaber doesn't have power. The story does. Without that blade, she's a pretender to the throne. Nominee number four from Luke fucking Skywalker, <laughs> referencing Grogu. He is strong with the Force, but talent without training is nothing. I will give my life to protect the child, but he will not be safe until he masters his abilities. This is still the difference between him and Ahsoka. This is why he fucking failed. This is why his temple got burned down. You know what I mean? I do. He doesn't get it. He doesn't have her wisdom. Well, he's got that Skywalker blood, man. Runs hot. Run the fever. Fifth and final nominee from Din Djarin, like a loving papa. I'll see you again. I promise. The winner with 37% of the vote, our boy Luke Skywalker. He is strong with the force, but talent without training is nothing. I'll give my life to protect the child. He will not be safe until he masters his abilities. Luke Skywalker. Just coming in last minute and like taking both titles. Like a unified, like he's leaving with the world championship and the intercontinental championship. He's like, best scene, best quote. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, Adam, you're, you're right. That, that feeling you have about Luke and Ahsoka. Th- this is so selfish. Yeah. Arrogant. Naive. I, I don't I don't think he really knows why he's even trying to rebuild the Jedi order other than it's like, well, it's what I'm supposed to do. You know, that kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah. Whereas Ahsoka was like, no, no, things have changed and there needs to be something new, i.e. Ray, i.e. Ben, mm-hmm. i.e. the sequels. Get yeah. over it, haters. It's epic if you really think about it. It all it all falls into place if you really think about it, you know? And this is Luke saying, I'll die for this child. I'm the one who can train him. It's me. I'm the only yeah. one who can do it and, mm-hmm. and help him master his abilities. It's just a slightly older and more skilled version of the dude who answered Yoda when he said, why must you become Jedi? Mm-hmm. He said, mostly because of my father, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. My dad was a pipe fitter. I guess I'll be a pipe fitter. You know? <laughs> Powerful Jedi was yeah. he. You know, it's the same dude. Yep. Man, this just popped in my head, so I got to just let it out. What's left on our Star Wars checklist? That we need to see. I'll tell you what's number one, and I wanted it in Rise of Skywalker, sort of, in some way. But, like, when are we going to see Luke talk to Anakin? Yes. Come on. That's got to be in the pipeline somewhere. It has to be, dude. Oh, man. It has to be. Well, we, I mean, come on, dude. We we know Hayden's coming back. Like, it's all, yeah. it's all creeping to some event, <laughs> as you put it. I mean... Yeah. Some well I, I think we should save this for, for post show, but for those of you that are not patrons and don't wanna come listen and watch us talk about more cool Star Wars shit, I will just say this. It's all happening. It's all happening. Mm-hmm. All these shows being announced all in the Mandalorian timeline. They're I think they're gonna cross episodes and show like I think the actors from this show are gonna be on that show. I think based on this finale. We have no idea how far they're actually going to take. They're going to go so far into our wildest nerd dreams that we can't even imagine it. Because did you think this was ever going to happen? What we just saw? No, No, dude, even just a year ago, I never thought this could actually happen. And here we are. 
and and also last bit of speculation I'll I'll give this week is the CGI that they used for Luke was as Nick said I I think you're right Nick like 98% and for me the 2% was literally just the mechanics of the of the mouth moving while he was talking yeah. right mm-hmm. it, it still felt a little call of duty to me it's hard to do but while it's hard to do think about how good this actually looked I, I don't care what all the shit talkers are saying it didn't look real. Really? It's a computer. You're, you're right. It's not real. So it didn't look real. You, you win. But <laughs> think about how good it looked, right? Yeah. So they could have done this with whatever crazy plan they have for all of this coming together and leading up to The Force Awakens. Whatever crazy idea they have for all this, they could have just been like, dude, we, this is for now. Like we have this, but we're, we have the next thing. Like now that it's this good, we're going to be able to do this now. And like, oh, yeah. what happened? I mean, the way this stuff advances now, the, sh- the next season doesn't come out for a full year. So another year. What if Luke doesn't come back for season three, but he comes back for season four? That's another full two years of tech advancement for this. Like, I think it could get to a place where maybe we could see more Luke. Like, really, just he could just be in the show as a C- you know a CGI version. Could be wrong, but I think when you really consider how good it actually did look, we can't possibly know what they actually have up their sleeve. And how far that the prototype, the beta, call it tech, they have is, you know, cross the streams. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Ryan Key, William, Billy. Yeah, hey, hey, buddy, I'm here. Give us a quote. I love this quote. <laughs> I love this quote. Uh, I saw it on the interwebs, and I just was like, man. Every time I see a tweet from him that I like, freak out that I'm like, God, that's good. Every time he's liked one of my tweets just flashes through my mind. So spoiler alert, this quote's from Mark Hamill. And he, on <laughs> Friday, was it on Friday or was it on Saturday? I think it was Friday evening. I think it was Saturday. He did it early, man. Was it? I don't remember. I saw it on Saturday. It was either Friday, like, because it comes out midnight-ish or what, on Disney Plus or Saturday. But he just tweeted <laughs> and put on his Instagram, quote, seen anything good on TV lately? Yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Oh man! It's like yeah, actually, um, rewatching Veep right now. Um, <laughs> what so a guy! Good. I love him. All right, we're wrapping it up. We're done. Best episode of the damn series. We know you all feel the same. Thank you for listening. We we went a little long. I'm sure no one's mad at that. But if you want to hear even more, we're doing a little post show thing that will be for patrons only. So you can go to Patreon.com/slash/ThankTheMakerPod and get involved there. We're going to January first. Hold us to this. We're switching it over, and I'll say definitively, we're switching to monthly, and it's going to be cheaper rather than per creation, they say. We're just doing a monthly thing. It's going to be cheaper for every everyone. We're going to do more live stream stuff, more post-show stuff that's going to be exclusive to Patreon. We'll have kind of a, a cheap, just get into the community level, a middle kind of like you get everything thing. And then later, we might add like a super premium, super Jedi Council tier that involves some kind of super badass stuff that we'll figure out later. Listen, if you pay us $50,000, you could be host. <laughs> For life. <laughs> so go get involved right now if you want to hear us talk about the, the Boba Fett announcement and all the good stuff that came after the credits, which we didn't even mention happened yet. There's amazing post-credit thing. We're going to put that in the post-show stuff. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. If you want to find us on social media, on Instagram, it's at ThankTheMakerPod. On Twitter, it's at ThankTheMaker. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. Mine's at William Ryan Key. 
Mine's at Nick Bayside. You could find all my, my, my findings and my hauls, my toy hauls on Instagram at Nick Bayside and Twitter at Nick Bayside. Dope. Thanks to everyone for listening again. Catch us on Patreon for the post show. And until next week, may the force be with you. Bye.